another week and we're back we're we're getting in the rhythm now a little bit brandon ready to ask some new questions always ready always ready i feel like we're in a lacroix can when we are (laughs) whenever we start the episode um it feels refreshing every time it's like it i feel like it's appropriate for this context we have very effervescent uh conversations and refreshing questions so i'm ready for another week here you go what color i have a you know orange and like pink purple in the background what uh what flavor Lacroix goes it's like, with a, orange it's like a blood orange uh Lacroix can that we're in okay um, so so yeah i'm ready i'm ready for another week and i'm excited for this week's topic yeah we're gonna talk a little bit tonight about um interfaith interfaith dialogue different faiths faiths different than your own um for for our purposes tonight um you know that's a way of saying sort of a faith different than christianity but i hope that maybe there are some folks who um are listening to this and and maybe that different faith is christianity um and hopefully some of the same stuff applies but just to be clear right my lens so um yeah i'm drew ingram i'm a pastor at spirit in the hills lutheran church here with my friend brandon for another all questions considered um a weekly space to ask some questions to pop open the tab of a LaCroix can and uh, sip on the bubbly water of curiosity. Um, (laughs) I don't know how far I can stretch my definition. Um, A a chance to engage our curiosity, to sit with the discomfort of not having an easy or quick answer. And to, as Rainer Maria Rilke says, um, to learn to love the questions themselves. And, uh, and so tonight we're talking about, um, different faith traditions and engaging with other faith traditions and people of other faiths or interfaith dialogue, interfaith relationships. Um, yeah. All over the place there. Yeah. So I, it's, I feel like this is one of the main topics that I love to talk to you about because uh, for me growing up, interfaith wasn't really on my radar. Um, it was, it really was for me just like there's my faith, which is the only one that matters. <laughs> and then there was a whole bunch of other pretend faiths that um, that I didn't learn much about. I didn't know much about. I feel like I was kind of curious about them. But then the more I've talked to you, the more I've realized this has been something that's been on your radar for a lot longer than it has for me. So for you, Interfaith, how far back does that go where you were like aware and curious about other faiths? Yeah, so I remember, I, I can remember some of my first wonderings, which is interesting. I, you know, I have a decent memory sometimes about some things, um, but I don't know. You know, it's funny to see which things we remember. Uh, I remember in kindergarten, first grade, uh, we had two new students join the class from uh, different parts of the world who I was sort of their designated uh, like buddy. Like I'd sit next to them in class and um, was patient enough, I guess, to, to be tasked with that. Um, and whatever wisdom my teachers had, uh, whatever quality I expressed at six years old that um, invited me to, to sit with these friends. Um, it was some of my first encounters with somebody of a different culture and a different faith. Um, so one was from Russia and it was Jewish. And the other one was from Vietnam um, and practiced uh, a form of Buddhism. And um, I remember 
not, I don't feel like I talked about God a whole lot, but I remember like things would come up, right? Like holidays or um, differences. And they'd ask me questions and I'd ask them questions about things. And so I remember some of those very personal encounters. And then in middle school and high school youth group um, at church, like part of our Sunday school curriculum and our confirmation curriculum was to um, listen to and experience other faith traditions. So I remember like a Sunday school class where a couple of University of Texas students, my congregation I grew up at was very close to campus, um, that were part of the student interfaith group came and were like a panel. Um, one was Jewish and one was Muslim. And I think one was um, sort of identified as Unitarian Universalist, which is this interesting middle mix of like everybody's got their their own pathways you know yeah. you have to talk I'm a lot about three days a week i'm a unitarian universalist yeah <laughs> and um, three days of every week yeah okay yeah well so yeah you know um but i remember like so i remember specific like that would be like an interfaith dialogue experience like hey we're gonna ask them these questions they're a panel of um you know lay people like you young-ish people like you right they were a few years our senior um, just talking about life and faith and what they believed. And so it was part of like being a part of the church I grew up at was engaging with and talking to other people mm -hmm. as well as it happened in my personal life, um, these encounters. And I think that there were a handful of reasons why one, it made us think about our own faith in a different way. Um, it opened us up to, other people's viewpoint and perspective of Christianity um, in an interesting way. And um, it made us listen to people who are our neighbors um, It made us listen to people who we lived with and encountered um, on a regular basis, not necessarily those individuals, but it, you know, an, an experience like that you take with you to then your friends at school who to follow and um, maybe follow up and engage in a different kind of conversation. But it was, you know, it was part of the core curriculum in my experience growing up, which I know is not, I can't even speak for all like Lutheran, ELCA Lutheran youth, that it was that embedded in um, their curriculum, yeah. but it was very natural, a natural part of, um, and a very intentional choice versus what I hear from, from you sharing that is like, it wasn't like necessarily like an active pushing away, but it yeah. just like, it was kind of like a, why would you... Yeah, we, I mean, there was no driving factor to do it. <laughs> Anytime we're going to talk about faith, might as well spend it on the good stuff, which is the Jesus stuff. Mm -hmm. and the, so it's like, <laughs> at least that was my, um, my takeaway was like, why bother? Like, what's the, what's the point? Uh, we, we've got the good stuff over here. I do remember though, my one uh, story, kind of interfaith story that's coming to me now probably when I was around 17, 18, my whole, my family, my immediate family, and I went to a Jewish family that was in our church. They were Messianic Jews and they did the Passover Seder and they invited our family over. So it's just them and our family. And they kind of walked us through and we experienced the whole Seder experience. And that was, uh, I remember that was interesting. It was a little bit awkward for me because it was uh, my first time to um, participate and experience this thing. And it was foreign to me, even though uh, Passover and all that is kind of part of my tradition. I had never experienced it in that way before. So I remember I kind of felt 
uh, you know, like I had two left feet doing that thing. Like, am I doing it right? And what is this about? And, um, but looking back on it, it's like, man, I wish I could go back and relive that night again, because I know there's so much depth and meaning there that, um, that I was getting to experience through somebody else's culture, um, their practices and rituals. And, um, so yeah, now I think I value it way more than back then. I was like, what's going on here? Mm. So I'm excited to talk about interfaith. So anybody who's joining us, yeah, any questions you have about interfaith, talking to other faiths, why would you do it? How would you do it? Who would you talk to? All Any questions you might have, um, welcome. You can comment, hopefully, wherever you're watching and we can see it. And, uh, and I'll We'll try to get to those questions and toss them over to Drew so that we can all consider them together. That's but, right. Yeah. Drew, I, so let's, first of all, I was just uh, talking with my wife and I said, our topic tonight's interfaith. What questions do you have? And she said, my first question is, what is interfaith? What do you mean by that? So I thought that'd be a good yeah. uh, question to start us off with. Yeah. What are we even, what are we even talking about? Um, so maybe if people have been listening to the first couple minutes here um an interaction between different faiths is basically what i would you know i how i would break down that word i don't know that that's actually the etymology of interfaith um but an interaction between uh people of different faiths so uh, i took you know an an interfaith class one time that the actual title of the course was christian encounters with world religions because that was sort of the perspective like how has christianity encountered these other religions of the world um that was a class i took in seminary to talk about like is it core to the curriculum it was an elective but it was that's the actual so even in that title it like christian interactions with world religions Mm -hmm. for me that's kind of how i saw it was like these are worldly religions (laughs) where we have the divine and spiritual religion um, okay. Yeah. 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 It depends on, right. We like, again, you know me, I love a good definition. It depends on what, what we're talking about world, right? Yeah. Is, that the, is that, you know, when Paul would talk about the stuff of the world and the stuff of heaven, Yes, we have yeah. the religion of heaven. Yeah. And so this, this was just saying, Hey, we're going to examine like, um, what Christianity's interaction with these other global religions are. Um, so like how has Christianity and Hinduism, um, like how have they, how have they connected? How have they overlapped? How have they butted up against one another? Uh, Christianity and Judaism, Christianity and Islam. How how do they relate? How have they related across history? Um, and then to go have some ca- encounters. So like we went and worshipped at a Sikh gurdwara. We went mm. and like visited their worship space, um, and were there for the morning. Um, and uh, so an interaction. I would just say an interaction across faith um and uh the differentiation in like my world of the church is if we're interacting with another christian denomination another strand of christianity we'd use a word like ecumenical um, Mm. which means like church relating to other church um and then interfaith would be talking to uh another group so like on um if you you can go look at like formal denominational conversations with another Christian denomination. So like the ELCA is talking to the United Methodist church and we have like an ecumenical relationship. We call them ecumenical partners. We define what that looks like. We have some documents that they've sent back and forth that, you know, this really high organizational level. Oh, wow. um, 
and then there are the same things with like interfaith relationships. Um, and, you know, here's our relationship to um, sort of like reformed Judaism in America. Um, and what is, um, here's, here's some of the things we've exchanged and here's some of the things we've said to one another and okay, so um, ways that like we've committed to enca encounter one another as denominational groups. You're talking about a very formal level here of yeah. encounters between, but then we're also, so we're talking about from that very highest level of very organi organized institutional religions talking to each other, but then all the way down to interfaith is also going to the pub and getting a beer with my friend who's of a different faith, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or I mean, where I started in my like personal life example of like, I remember my friend Ron moved from Russia and, and was a practicing Jew. And yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and that's an interfaith interaction. So I, I want to try and encompass kind of all of that, right? Like there's sort of formal interfaith dialogue, interfaith relationship among, right? Like institutions of religion. Um, and, uh, and there's also the reality that for the vast majority of us, um, we live and interact in an interfaith world. Yeah. You go to work, you go to the coffee shop, you go to the pub, you, um, you know, people yeah. who are part of another faith tradition or an interesting thing in, uh, America, the state of, you know, religion in America right now, right. The majority of folks are not part of a, a faith tradition, a worshiping community, um, you know, mm -hmm. a very slim, but about half of the population isn't. And so, um, that's maybe even a third, category type of dialogue right like it's not talking to other christians it's not ecumenical it's ecumenical, not necessarily interfaith, interfaith. Um, talking to heathens <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think we would use those words um <laughs> in the hopes of actually like loving our neighbor but yeah but like agnostics or atheists right it what's interesting is there are certain like groups and conglomerates of um like atheism, like there are societies yeah. and institutions and things that sometimes um, have their own worship services, or I don't know if they call it worship, but they have right. their own like church services sometimes. Yeah. And so I wonder if like, if you're talking at an institutional level, if you might still categorize it in kind of that interfaith space, right? Like we believe different things about God and the yeah. world. Um, I think and... you bring up an interesting point about the world that we live in, because a hundred years ago, that's much less true that, our coworkers, our neighbors, especially if, you know, if you weren't in an urban area, you could probably spend your whole week without coming across somebody who is maybe of a different faith. Um, but now I, I know for me, our apartment complex, um, every day I'm walking by people of different faiths. Uh, we just went to the swimming pool and the family there didn't speak the same language as us. And so we're trying to kind of communicate via smiles and gestures and um, and so, yeah, going to work, it's like most of your coworkers probably aren't of the same faith as you are. So the world that we live in, this is just a part of it. So I love that we're talking about this, um, this idea kind of pointedly, how do we feel about this, interact with this? Um, so I'm excited. So interfaith is the interaction between different religious faiths. Yeah, I would say we can level. leave it. Yeah, we could leave it as simple as that, but right, it can happen in all of those ways. It 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 could talk about an interaction where faith didn't even necessarily come up, mm. or it could be like that formal panel dialogue that I talked about in like Sunday youth group at my yeah. church, right? Of like 
oh, this is like an intentional interfaith moment. Um, and we're doing this thing. I love it. Okay. So now that we know what interfaith is, why, like, should I interfaith dialogue? Should I care about other faith traditions? Why should I learn about other faith traditions? I think there are a lot of good answers to that kind of why question. Um, I think it's interesting in our own experience, I guess two things I want to point out about you and I both talking about sort of like our growing up in Christianity and our experience with encounters of people with people of different faiths or the importance of that. Um, it says two things. One that's really important in interfaith dialogue is you're always talking to like people um, unless we're talking about institution to institution. And even then, you know, Still it's a little people. bit different, like, yeah. And so um, we can uh, think that like, we can fall into the habit and this happens in other ways too, right. Of like asking somebody to be a representative of their entire faith. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and it's important to not do that, um, to realize in the same way that Brandon and I both grew up Christian and had a very different, if you asked us what, you know, what do Christians believe about talking to people of different faiths, we would have given you two very different answers. Yeah. Um, the same is, is true of people of other faiths. Um, and, and so that's an important thing to take with us and, and keep in mind. Um, and, uh, and so then you're like, okay, well, if it's all going to be different person to person, do I explore other religions? Do I take a world religions class? Do I take study comparative religion? Do I attend an interfaith event? Um, should I take the time to, to learn some of this? Um, the way that I come at it is comes from how it was introduced to me. Um, it's about loving our neighbor hmm. uh, and loving our neighbor is not uh, an agenda based thing. It's not loving our neighbor so that um, they'll think the same way that we do. So that the same, like, it's just like, that's the, I'm called to love my neighbor and to love my neighbor means to uh, know my neighbor. And so to, um, to be interested in the things that, that form them. Also, just in the simple fact of like, you already are interacting with people of different faith traditions, almost certainly, right? Um, and uh, for, for almost all of us. And to sit and know uh, the people around you better, to know a little something about um, how they view the world, what they celebrate, what is important to them, um, is a great gift that you can give. The other aspect of it is... Um, I think uh, I have found it to be true for me, I should say, and others have as well, that in exploring and learning about different faith traditions, um, I can explore my own in a new way. Mm. Um, what do you mean so, by that? Yeah, well, I think there's a great book if you want to know if somebody wants to like really dive into something like this, but there's a great book. Um, I'm going to forget the author's name. Um, I should have written it down. I knew we were talking about this, but it's called without Buddha. I would not be a Christian. Yes. Um, and, oh gosh, I forget the author's name as well. Yeah. And, but, and then uh, another author who I remember her name, but not necessarily a book that she wrote, but uh, Karen Armstrong is another person who has done a lot of this work. And, and both of these people are Christian. Um, I think have Catholic roots um, and have these interfaith encounters and it, shapes 
how they come back to their faith. So the, the crux of without Buddha, I would not be a Christian is the practice. Some of the practices in Buddhism um, enabled this person to sort of like mine the depths of, to enter into the well of Christianity in a new way. Um, and to explore when, when he felt like his faith was dry, um, this gave him a new lens. I also think that there's a very practical, like, when you're talking specifically about your faith with somebody, this happens in all ways, but especially somebody who has a different sort of language system than you. Um, mm, yeah. You know, they don't like, like we have, uh, you know, the people joke around like, like Christianese or insider language or all of these things of like, I say the word gospel, but I never define what I mean when I say gospel. And this is, this is when we were poking holes um, at like, do evangelicals believe the same thing when we were mm -hmm. looking at those things? I was like, well, how do we defining authority? What do we mean about good news? What do we mean when we say gospel? Um, we're not always clear about that unless we're made to be. And when I'm talking to somebody who operates in a different language system yeah. and I say a word like that, um, whether they ask me to or not, and often in an intentional space like that, they'll say, well, what did you mean when you said whatever, right? What do you mean this, this piece? Um, what's a this, right? What's a him? Um, you said narthex. What's a nar? You know, like, that's my church <laughs> world, right? Like um, when we're walking through the narthex and greeting each other in the morning um, and it's like, you don't think about it when you're inside the system. Yeah. Um, what is, yeah. What is good news? What do, what is grace? Like when we talk about grace, when we talk about justification or salvation, um, it, it makes you define those terms in order to have a conversation with somebody. And so there's a way where it also brings you to articulate your own faith in a way that you're not always made to when mm. you are um, around people who have that same language system, who already have that shared language. Um, yeah. It's a, it is, it is in some very real ways, like having an, an encounter with somebody who speaks another language, right. Um, who has another yeah. meaning making system. And so you have to build shared definitions. You, you have to be more specific and clear. Um, so even from just that standpoint of like letting somebody ask me deep questions, like, like what is sin? Like we were talking about last week. Right. And, and then them working out like, oh, that's kind of like this thing in my faith. When I hear you talk about that, that sounds, that reminds me of the way we talk about this thing. And they're kind of trying to tease out like, oh, well, what do we have in common there? And, oh, you know, maybe that doesn't sound exactly like, you know, maybe what you heard from me wasn't exactly what I meant or what we believe. And you're, you're working out your faith with them in that way. I have totally found that in uh, those a season several years ago where I was just kind of burned out on Christianity. It all kind of, you know, something gets so familiar that it kind of, it kind of just no longer means much anymore. You feel, you're so up close to it that it just kind of um, thinking of a, Ted Lasso, when they like say the words and they're just like, it doesn't mean yeah, anything anymore. The word for, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that word is where you say something over and over and over until it loses its meaning. Um, and so I started learning about other traditions and I was like, oh my gosh, these are so rich. There's, they've got such better practices and metaphors and stories. And as I dove into those with fresh eyes, fresh ears, that was like so meaningful. It eventually started leading me back around to my own tradition. I was like, oh, you know what? We actually have a story similar to this we actually have a practice like this 
but I was just so close to it for so long that so stepping into something else helps me kind of lead myself back to it, to my own tradition, but seeing it with fresh eyes, um, because that's kind of I think it's actually the mythologist Joseph Campbell talks about the joy of studying other religions because you don't bring your own baggage to it. Um, and so studying other religions helps me um, kind of see my own religion without some of the baggage in the way through that process. So I can totally relate to that. And I, the, maybe the last thing, um, well, two things. One, when you were just sharing that, it reminds me of like a lot of people's introduction to like a mystic, like is like somebody like Rumi, right. Who's a Jewish yeah. mystic or, you know, these, these really famous mystics from, you know, whatever tradition. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh wait, there are, you know, Julian of Norwich, right? Like there are like mystics There's in mystics Christianity, in right? Yeah. Um, or, or like you said, right? Like there are people who've been practicing like uh, the, the Quaker practice of like sitting in silence mm. until, until you're moved to speak um, and silence. If you walk into most Christian worship spaces on a Sunday morning um, plays a very minimal role but in other, but even within Christianity, but if we're not doing ecumenical and then if we're not doing interfaith dialogue, like I would, uh, I still have a hard time in like silent meditation. Um, the things people think about when like meditation, like sitting and breathing and paying attention to your breath. Um, but the only reason I'm any good at it at all is that I have sat in some Buddhist temples and been led in it. Mm. Um, and uh, by people who, who just approach it in a very different way. And again, get me out of my head. Cause it's like, Oh, well, you've, I've been introduced to paying attention to my breath in my same language system. That's like going on vacation. Like when you're, when you're on vacation, you remember everything you ate the whole time you went on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> and if you ask me what I ate for breakfast this morning, I'd have to really think about it. Um, so good, there's, there's yeah. a sense of that too, right? Like there's an openness and an acceptance. There's a way that we're tuned in that we may not be otherwise. Um, and, uh, and so then maybe the the last way I want to answer this question of like, should I or why mm. should I learn about different faith traditions, including all of these other things we've said of like, it might teach you something about your own faith. Um, it's a way to love your neighbor and learn more about them. Um, we're citizens in a global, multi-faith, multicultural world. So it's just part of everyday life. Um it causes you to articulate your faith in new and different ways. Um, I think that somebody should also, because um, it gives you the opportunity to have a mirror presented to yourself of your mm. own faith. So I talked about this a little bit in the, the articulation, right? Like I might say something and can tell that somebody doesn't understand, or they repeat back to me something that I didn't want them to hear. Right. Like I tried to say it in a different way. Um, but it gives you know somebody else a chance to give you their viewpoint of your faith tradition, mm. right? And I think it's really important for us to hear that, um, to see ourselves as others see us, not just as we see ourselves. Um, I know you, you and I have conversations about this guy, Pete Rollins. Um, Peter Rollins is a philosopher from Northern Ireland, but he used to run a, a community and they had an evangelism committee, um, but it, where a traditional Christian evangelism committee is about getting people to convert, right? Talking to people yes. about your religion and trying to turn them. It was like, hey, we're going to go listen to people tell us about ourselves. 
yeah. and then tell us about their religion in a way where you know they're trying to give us the most compelling version of um, because the same thing happens with me right of like if i'm not engaged in interfaith dialogue and relationship my knowledge of buddhism or Islam, maybe Islam is is a more relevant one in our country um, these days in a kind of post 9-11. Like my knowledge of Islam comes from mm. self-study or textbooks or comes from the news um, yeah. or like the one picture I have of Islam. And so it gives me an opportunity to have my preconceived notions challenged. It also gives me a, a way to hear um, how my neighbors of different faiths perceive me and my faith tradition um, and to challenge and question those sometimes really deeply held assumptions that we might have of like, Oh, that's a, that's a violent religion. Um, that's a religion that, that, uh, you know, is totally individual and doesn't care about helping people. Like we have all of these preconceived notions of other religions, especially when our knowledge is not based on the relationships that we have with others. Yeah. I love that. Um, gosh, that's so good because it, it, like you said, it works both ways. It helps me shift and understand how other people, um, are engaging with the same questions that I'm engaging with about meaning and how do I live? Um, but I love that it cuts both directions and it's also challenges, challenges how you see things. How are you? Uh, it's gosh, so good. Um, yes, I saw you just put up, share your questions in the chat. Always a good yeah. reminder. Any questions about interfaith, um, talking with people of other religions, no matter what background you come from, if you had any questions about that, drop them wherever you're watching. Um, okay, here's here's something. I want to throw this one to you if, if you have anything. Yeah. What have you discovered from learning about other faith traditions? I know you've done a lot of this work, it sounds like, since kindergarten, <laughs> all the way up until... Um, I know you do it more... Um, is professionally the right word? You do it sure. professionally now? Yeah. I mean, I am technically, uh, I should have started with this. I'm on the board for um, and helped. Uh, I was not a founder, but got in early um, and was lucky to do got so with early. some of the founders of the Interfaith Ambassadors of Lake Travis, um, which is uh, kind of sprung up locally in response to a, a direct need um, and, a, and a public event that revealed to us um to our community the need to uh know our neighbor in a in a de in a better way so it was um the islamic center of lake travis was uh, close to being finished and burned down mm -hmm. um and uh likely um some sort of foul play i don't remember how exactly all of the legal proceedings went out but um, it didn't seem entirely accidental. Yeah. Um, and, and could have been, but hard to say, but either way, it sort of was like, um, made us wonder, Hey, do we not know enough about, um, our Muslim neighbors, our, our, our siblings and neighbors who, um, practice Islam and, uh, and a lot of, things happen kind of in that aftermath. And now, um, thank goodness, man, they even like invited us to um, come participate in one of their iftar dinners and all kinds of fan fantastic things. Their center was rebuilt and finished and um, is beautiful. And, um, and so I, I do this pretty regularly and have um, 
for a while and have kind of sought it out wherever I was. So I was really excited to hear when things were sort of bubbling up um, about maybe starting a formal interfaith group out this way. Um, it was something I did in college. There was a student organization and we would do progressive dinners. Like you'd come to the Lutheran center for, wow. um, you know, an appetizer course, you'd go across the street, literally just directly across the street to Texas Hillel, the Jewish student ministry for, um, like, you know, the main course, you go over to the LDS, um, which was across the street the other way, um, the Latter-day Saints and Mormon uh, place, and they do something. And we'd each, like, share something about our practices, maybe share a, a, a form of our prayer and and share some food. And then we go down the street to New Asa Street Mosque and and do fun, you know, things like that. So That's awesome. I've learned about food. I've made friends. Like, I've I've We learned about their foods as well. Yeah. That's fine. What do and, Lutherans serve when they're representing Lutheran food? <laughs> yeah, your uh, your stereotypical answer would be any sort of, um, and they would call it hot dish. Um, but like what you'd bring to a potluck, a casserole. Down here, okay. we'd say casserole. In the Midwest, uh, they'd say a hot dish. Um, okay. But or like a Jello salad, or you know the the, the thing oh, like yeah. it's so. But I, you know, in Texas, it, I, I say you're not going to convert anybody with a well, Jello salad these days. Uh, our Lutheran campus ministry feeds like 300 students for free every week of the semester um, oh, wow. out on the street, and it's usually either burgers and veggie burgers or um, carnitas and veggie carnitas tacos. Um, and you might convert somebody with that food. Yeah. Well, it's, you at least get some great, um, dialogue across faith traditions. And I, when I was filling in for the pastor there and working the grill and flipping burgers, um, I got to talk to people in French and I like actually met somebody from France in a really long time, but some exchange students were down, but yeah. So there's, I mean, there's all that kind of piece. Um, and then I would say, I mentioned once already, like, learning silence and, and growing in my ability to practice silence, um, in my encounters with Buddhism. Um, I think that that's something that I've really picked up again and again, and, uh, and kind of the impact of sort of like mindfulness and presence from those conversations mm -hmm. and encounters I've learned from, um, a lot of my Muslim neighbors and friends, um, keeping a routine of prayer. And just being yeah. a, a faithful practitioner of prayer and and having a rhythm of the day, which, like you said, like sort of sent me back into my own tradition of like these praying of the hours or like I have a Lutheran hymnal that's like got morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, nighttime prayer. Um, and so the, the some of the resources are even there, but like having this like rhythm of like, oh, at this time I pray um, and, a, and a posture that you take on when you pray and that that matters. Right. It matters. Um, what we're orienting ourselves towards, right? That we that we might would face a certain direction or um, hold our bodies in a certain way to remember um, and bring us into prayer in a different way. So I feel like a lot of my prayer life has been enlivened in my encounters with my Muslim siblings and neighbors. Um, in talking to uh, and being around folks who are Sikh, um, Sikh, 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 um, their uh, their hospitality is immense. Um, in fact, when uh, our professor was taking us to a Gurdwara for um, their morning of worship uh, or for their time of, of kind of worship and prayer and meal, um, he said what his interfaith professor, interfaith relationship professor had taught him, which was, I'm going to teach you about uh, 
Christian hospitality by taking you to a sick kufara, which is to say that they're going to do it way better than you've ever seen any Christian be hospitable. Uh, awesome. But like, so like they brought us in and it was like, Hey, um, we're going to ask you to take off your shoes, but this is also why, right? Like, cause this is how we're encountering this holy space. We're going to ask you to put this head covering on um, and we'll help you and, and do it. But, and, and here's why we're asking you to do that. Let me hold the door. I'll hold the door for you. I'll tie um, all of these things. We're going to move into the space. Somebody came, you know, to us during the worship service to help make sure that like we understood what was going on. We're going to invite you to do this thing. If you don't feel comfortable, you're fine. Um, so this sense of hospitality and welcoming somebody, especially somebody who may not be as familiar with your practices. Um, but, but hospitality in general from uh, the Sikh community. And then uh, an expanded notion of what it means to be nonviolent from my friends who are Jane. Um, so Jain, uh, Jainism finds its origins sort of in, in Hinduism and in that same part of the world, um, but is different and is sort of wholly centered on nonviolence. So um, my friend put it, one of my friends put it this way when I was asking him some specifics about the religion. He said, uh, Jains are the only ones, uh, the only religion in the world that the extremists are less violent. <laughs> um, than, the, than the normal practitioners um and to which i said i think christianity is supposed to be that way too um but it you know and it, uh it doesn't play out that way yeah. yeah but but this idea of like the extreme practices are to be non-violent in the extreme so mm. like to consider they consider their diet like how much Am I impacting the life of everything around me? Mm. So I should eat at a certain part of the food chain that is the least violent. Yeah. Um, so not just like vegetarian, but how is it playing to everything else? Um, how are, even to the point these days where for certain um, folks, he was sharing that like they'll try and wear certain face coverings, like mouth coverings, because when I breathe, there's bacteria, there's living oh, wow. organisms in the air. Right. Um, or in me that that might be harmed by my breath. Um, but that sense of yeah. um, this like holistic view of harming as little life as possible, um, wow. being as nonviolent as utterly possible. Um, that's a that's a few of the things I'm sure that I'm forgetting many, many more. Um, no, I those love are a that. few specifics. Yeah, yeah, you just gave us a little Epcot world tour of some um, great things to learn from different religions. Um, yeah, you were mentioning prayer, and it made me think about uh, getting into kind of some Eastern and Buddhist practices of meditation. And I was like, gosh, why don't we have something this great in Christianity, which led me back to learning about things like contemplative prayer and centering prayer and all different kinds of prayer that we have. It's like, Oh, this opened my eyes. I didn't even know to ask these questions about my own tradition until I was exposed to these other traditions. So, uh, so yeah, I love that. Okay. I feel like here, might, this might be a good, well, actually, let me throw uh, an impromptu question at you. Sure. Um, it's kind of related to learning about other traditions. I actually read a book, well, a year ago or so, read a book called Strange Rites, and it was about the way that um, Americans, specifically younger Americans, are tending to sample from these different religious traditions mm -hmm. more freely. Um, and she called it the remix culture, the religiously mixed um, culture. And so we're much more remixed. Um, so it's not so much that we're 
less spiritual, that we're identifying less with one religious tradition um, and starting to, you know, I, I do yoga on Thursdays and I go to uh, the mosque on this day and I, um, and I do tarot cards over here on, you know, on uh, the weekends with my friends. And so this kind of religiously mixed, is it okay to, um, to mix and match to, to kind of buffet style with, uh, with different religions and their traditions and practices. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I mean, is it okay? It depends on like who's, who's making your value judgment. Right. Um, it, I'm looking for a yes yeah. or no answer here, Drew. Uh, um, well, so Not first I would say like, I, I would encourage people in whatever way you feel comfortable with to explore other faith traditions. Um, and, and for different people, it will be to varying degrees. Uh, what I would sort of like maybe caution or encourage somebody to do along the way is um, to just like remember, uh, to be wary of sort of like cu the cultural appropriation mm. finding its way in, right? Of To like remember that these practices are tied to something much deeper and larger. To take the time if you're going to sort of sample the practice to to learn about and dialogue with um, practitioners, <laughs> like longtime practitioners um, and, and uh, members of that faith tradition, because I think it will enhance and, and inform you as yeah. you go. I think, you know, one of the interesting things that comes about, you were listening to that, I was listening to uh, an interview with Pete Davis, who wrote this book and gave this speech on like being uh, deeply committed to something and like long-term heroes and practices. Mm. He was on Pete Holmes podcast this last week, I think, or maybe a few weeks ago, but he, um, he's talking about like our tendency these days to infinitely browse, like yeah. to spend more time browsing Netflix than watching shows, mm. um, to, uh, that like dating apps sometimes can be like programmed to like three months after you've been, uh, this was new to me. Cause I was never they're like, they were not the apps in quite the same way by the time, um, Lee and I were dating, but the like, uh, after like a certain number of weeks or months after you've like connected and they can tell that you're connected, like, it'll like ping you like, Hey, people are looking at your profile, um, <laughs> to like, almost like tempt you to like the other, or I know there have been studies on like, you can take a, a painting from, you can pick any one of these 10 paintings and take it home. Uh, and they tell one group, uh, that's your painting. And, oh, and then yeah, they, they give somebody a, you know, then they take put them in the next time. And uh, here you, you can take your painting and in six weeks, we'll give you a chance to switch it out. Um, and the people that don't have the chance to switch it out are by and large happier yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would caution against like that, right? Like that sort of style of like buffet or just kind of like infinite browsing of it could lead you to like, oh, this doesn't work. Let me find the thing that works. Right. And, yeah. and a lot of these traditions underneath that would say like, it's actually like living with them. It's in that bigger flow and context that, um, you'll be freed from the cycle of like that next thing. Um, yeah. And, and that one right, perfect thing that's going to, to solve all my issues. The only way I'll ever pray again. Um, that's, that's just going to be perfect for me for all of time. Um, so I think that there's help and health in practicing and perusing and browsing and, and trying out lots of stuff. Um, I just say like, you know, how are you approaching it? 
um, and to approach it with um, ideally the reverence of somebody who who's you know truly interested in that and um, not purely from like a a utility standpoint because I think you're gonna miss what some of those practices do. Um, now, if you want to ask like, you know, are you still a Christian? If you do this, this, and this, and this, mm. this, that's, um, that's a, that's a more nuanced question, I think. Right. Like, I think that, um, a lot of religions at some point and in certain ways are syncretistic, which is just the fancy word for saying, we take a little here, a little here, a little here, a little here, mm. um, some from culture, some from other religious practices. I, I think that you can, if you're being honest with, you know, the history of Christianity, there's plenty of that in there. Um, you know, somebody's thinking in their head, right? Like, oh yeah, like winter solstice being tied to Christmas and trees were never part of, you know, where did the trees come from? Or why are rabbits around Easter time or these things, right? Like you can see how these things get picked up and pieced in. And, um, and so I, and I think that there's maybe something beautiful from that. I think that there's mm. a lot of truth. My, my view of God allows for God to be bigger than any one particular faith tradition. Um, that God can work outside any bounds that I try to put God inside of. Um, and, uh, and so, so yeah, I think that there's a pretty nuanced question, but I would say like, I think it, it's great to learn about and experience new faith practices. Um, to sort of try and mix them all together and be like, Oh, I'm this interesting mishmash religion thing. I think you might be missing what a lot of these traditions really have to offer beyond, um, you know, what's on the buffet, right? Like what's yeah. actually on the menu. Um, and, and I would just encourage to, to take the time to do that as well. Um, Cause when I think about kind of picking and choosing and duct taping together my own religion, I'm most of the time going to, go based off of comfort and go based off of um, what kind of reinforces my ego. <laughs> what am I already good at? What am I already comfortable with? Um, well, like pure happiness and pleasure, um, <laughs> right? Like, can I just ride like yeah. the dopamine high forever? Yeah. And there's so much, uh, it's not usually where the growth happens. Um, growth usually happens outside of the comfort zone, usually happens where you're not always comfortable or at least some dose of that. Um, so I, I love, you know, going deep in one tradition often offers you some of that. There's going to be things that challenge you. There's going to be things, um, the very things that I used to say, you know, I don't know if I can be a, in Christianity anymore because I don't know if I agree with these things. I don't know if I see it that way. Honestly, that's some of the things that draw me to it now because I'm like, I want to, to wrestle with some things. And so I think, uh, going deep in a tradition, whatever that tradition is, um, has so much value. Um, so I love that. That's great. Drew. Okay. As an ending thing, any practical tips, steps for somebody who is interested now in interfaith and maybe starting a conversation with somebody of a different faith, any kind of ways that I might go about doing that? Yeah. Um, I think there are some, a lot of good resources out there, right? So we even mentioned a couple of like books and authors. Um, but beyond that, I would say a lot of, if you are in a major city, if you're around the Austin area, there's a handful of um, interfaith organizations. And even in like, you know, Columbia, South Carolina and South Carolina as a whole had some pretty strong tight knit interfaith things and everything from uh, like Texas Impact 
is an interfaith advocacy organization. So if you're interested in advocacy work and you want to be around people from a lot of different faith traditions that have said, hey, we agree on enough core tenants that we want to advocate for, you know, policies that alleviate hunger and poverty and that, uh, you know, in discrimination, um, you can look at something like Texas Impact. If you want a more traditional, like, uh, interfaith dialogue, I want to be a, see a panel of people talking, um, interfaith ambassadors like Travis, when we have events going, uh, or stuff like that, or um, I ACT, the interfaith action group of uh, Central Texas, there's a lot usually going there. I will say um, churches and Christians aren't always um, like, maybe it's this, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the root is, um, but you can usually find your way into some of those groups more through faith traditions that aren't Christianity. I have found oh, really? like, <laughs> and some of that I wonder is like, there are only a few, uh, Jewish synagogues mm. compared to the number of yeah. Christian churches. Um, there are only a few uh, Hindu temples in central Texas. Mm. Um, so, so you might like, if you're interested, you can go look directly at, you know, another a, a faith tradition beyond Christianity and you are maybe even more likely to be drawn into an interfaith space. Um we could maybe unpack that a little bit more. I think there's some of the reasons we've already talked about why, but, um, but yeah, I would look at um, just look up like interfaith organization or interfaith dialogue. Um, if you're a student um, or if you like learning things, there are great textbooks on comparative religions is sometimes the field of study or world religions. Um, and then uh even a lot of like community colleges and things will have courses. And um, if you luck out, you'll get a course that like uh, takes you to different communities and, and you can learn about uh, different faith practices and communities and things. And, um, and yeah, so there's a lot of, I mean, you can do a book stuff on your own. I would say the best thing is to get in conversation with people in whatever ways you can. And so going through an interfaith group is a great way. And then even more maybe practically is um, it, see if you can strike up the courage and find an easy way in to talk to if you know a friend or coworker who is uh, who practices a different faith from you. Um, is there is there a holiday coming up um, in, in that that you could ask them about? Mm -hmm. Is there... Um, something something going on that would let you strike up that conversation where you could ask and get to know a little bit more about them um and also about their faith practice even just saying hey i've been studying this um i know that sometimes uh that is a cross-cultural experience religion and belief and systems and things are you know cultures in and of themselves and uh so you want to be careful that you're not trying to make too many assumptions or things in that space or asking them to speak on behalf of an entire religion um, or religious tradition. But uh, I would say, don't be scared to, to ask a friend. I mean, I think of the experiences where I had a really good excuse of like, Hey, I'm in this class and I need to write this paper. Will you talk to me about Jainism? Um, like having that excuse was great and having, but also to my surprise, like how quick people were like, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I'd love to share more with you about it. Yeah. Um, so I, there's yeah. a handful of tips. 
I love that. I love the uh, kind of some practical things like if there's a holiday coming up or something that you can kind of enter into the conversation um, or you can just be the weirdo like me who's just like doesn't need a segue. Just like the other day we were um, we had cooking hot dogs um, with our upstairs neighbors for the first time. And Ashley, I was like, Ashley was a few minutes behind me. And she's already coming out and I'm talking about religion. And she's just like, I know she's about to roll her eyes. So I told them, I was like, can we stop talking about religion? Because Ashley's going to be like, here we go again. Meet some new friends. <laughs> and immediately Brandon's talking about religion. So, uh, but yes, yeah, not everybody drop, jumps right to like, what's your framework for the meaning of yeah. life and everything. Um, uh, I love those conversations. That's why we get along and, and get to have fun ones like this. I'm twiddling but... my thumbs until I can ask that like. <laughs> Yes, we're watching this on Netflix. And how do you make sense of all of this? Um, it was, I love it was it. interesting. That seemed to give me a feeling that, you know, God is like this. What do you think? <laughs> yes, I can lead anything to there. Just like, yes, I love it, Drew. Well, this has been so great. I, I love talking about interfaith with you. Um, one, because you can talk about this from real experience. Um, and and two, because I don't have a whole lot of experience of um, of talking with people of other faith traditions, it's something that's relatively new for me, and it's just been exciting. I found, like you said, people are eager and happy to talk about it. Um, you know, it kind of often feels like that politics and religion thing. You don't bring it up unless you want to make things awkward. And I've uh, I've really found that for the most part, um, if you bring it up and with real curiosity, real openness, um, that people are excited to talk about it. So, uh, so I'm excited to strike up some more hopefully not awkward conversations with other people after, after our conversation tonight. Yeah. Well, and thanks. And I will just end on that note of, um, you know, shared some of what I've gained from this, including uh, some really good friends. And, mm. uh, and so I just would encourage anybody if, if you're curious um, about a different faith tradition, if you want to know how religions of the world interact, if um you want to practice it in real time. Um, I just, I, I cannot speak highly enough of what it has, um, the ways that it has gifted my life, mm. um, being in relationship with people from a variety of faiths on a regular basis um, mm. has been really good. So um, speaking of uh, wrapping up and things, one, um, think no show next week. Um, I'm traveling, which is weird. We're going to do a Tuesday, Tuesday off unless, um, unless you see me going live, like from the streets of Columbus, Ohio, because I'm at this big church conference, um, denominational conference where there might be some folks from, uh, other churches or other faiths in, in attendance. Sometimes they come and like say, hello. Um, it's kind of that like relationship building, like, oh yeah, I showed up at your big thing that you do every few years. You show up at ours next time. Um, and, uh, but I'll be there and then, um, maybe we'll have really boring stuff or really exciting stuff to talk about, like what it looks like to gather with about a thousand people and try and make decisions for the future of a denomination, uh, <laughs> when I return. That sounds like a fun time. Uh, um, and so, yeah, whether, whether it's about, um, interfaith stuff or denominational structure and what in the world an institution has any business to be in the church, um, you know, any of that kind of stuff or just questions in general as we build our topic lists and things going forward. And then another uh, little teaser for our work that we're doing on some pre-produced video rather than live recorded stuff um, on parenting and faith. 
um, and how to uh, talk about God and faith when you don't have all the answers when you're doing what we're doing here, which is just like sitting in the questions when I've got more questions than answers, but I want to talk about this stuff. How might I do it? Yeah. If there's any parents watching, uh, DM one of us, if you're interested in that and we can send you more info. Um, but yeah, any parents who are curious about raising your kids in faith and you have questions about that and how do I do that? And I don't know what I believe. So how do I even begin with this? Uh, yeah, send us a message. We'd love to connect you with the right place for that as we're going to start, um, sharing some stuff. And the hope is to connect you with other parents and people like yeah. you to, to kind of give some space for a, a safe space to explore those questions together. Um, like Brandon and I get to do on this show week after week. So yeah. um, until then, until That's a good question, what have you to do? Snuck it in. Yeah. All right. Until next time, ask a good question. I want a good sign off too. <laughs> <laughs>